Hey, it's Ryan Reedy, and this is episode 40 of the TwoMinuteTennis.net podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by TwoMinuteTennis.net, the premier way amateur players win more matches and play better tennis. So if you had the opportunity to listen to episode 39, you knew that I had special guest Nick Nemiroff, an ATP tour specialist. Nobody knows more about the game from the professional standpoint, in my opinion. I had him on for the Wimbledon men's preview. I've got him back on the line for the wrap-up of what we saw between Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer. Nick, thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having me, Ryan. That was quite the uh, boring match, wasn't it? (laughs) It was absolutely spectacular. You know, when I asked you if you would come back to do the match review, uh, some of the ideas that I wanted you to cover, uh, I'm going to cover right now with you. So first, what were some of really the most exciting and most deciding moments you took from this match? Well, the most deciding moment in the match, and there were three of them, were the three tiebreakers that Djokovic won. He commanded all three tiebreakers. A pretty resounding stat that I read after the match was that in the three tiebreakers, Djokovic made zero unforced errors in all three tiebreakers combined. By contrast, Federer made 11 unforced errors. That was the difference in the match. There was a noticeable difference in their demeanors and attitudes in the tiebreakers. Djokovic was way more poised, way more controlled, and way more consistent. Uh, Some of the other deciding moments in the match, Djokovic's very odd start to the second set where he got broken uh, early on. And from from that point, he completely faltered and Federer won the set 6-1. Federer dominated on serve um throughout the first couple of sets um and uh the third set Djokovic had uh, a set point against him he was able to hold on there and then win in a tiebreaker so that was another huge moment uh Djokovic breaking serve in the fifth set and Federer breaking right back mm-hmm. which was very surprising it looked like when Djokovic went up 4-2 in the fifth that that was going to be it and then of course Federer breaking for breaking the serve for the match in that great passing shot, and then subsequently setting up two match points and on his own serve and not able, and he was not able to come through. And then Djokovic also saved break points at 10 10 in the fifth and then went on to win uh, the tiebreaker in the fifth set, seven three. And interestingly enough, the last point of the match was uh, a shanked forehand from Federer, which if people go back and remember the Federer Roddick match from 2009. Roddick also ended the match on a shanked forehand at, and that ended up being 16-14 in the fifth. So those were the key moments of the match. Unbelievable. Now, throughout that match, there were obviously tactics, right, that these players were trying to use in order to win this championship. What were the tactics that you observed from these players? Federer's primary tactic was to hit great serves, and he did. He uh, It took Djokovic a very, very, very long time to break him. Federer served first and second serve at a very high level. He was hitting some really, really heavy kick serves. was really impressed by that. Um, where Federer was less impressive was uh, his return of serve. Djokovic held serve 
so easily in the first and third sets, the two sets that he ended up winning. Um, he did face that set point, but other than that, he breezed through his service games. The second set, I'm not really going to count because Djokovic just looked totally, uh, totally out of it in that set. Um, Federer relied heavily on the slice and chipping back returns, which I didn't understand because against Nadal, he was flattening it out and being very successful with that. It allowed Djokovic to dictate with the points, and this is a theme in their previous matches. I'm sure Federer was trying to keep a lot of these low, but it just wasn't working uh, a good amount of the time. Uh, if I was Federer, I would have been flattening out more of those uh, returns. In the tiebreakers, Djokovic really uh, honed in on Federer's backhand and really controlled the backhand to backhand exchanges. As mentioned, he didn't make any unforced errors. And Federer got really tensive. He had a, a few shanks. He had some shots that were poorly timed. And then in the fifth set tiebreaker, he at one all, he had a very odd, it was a very odd moment for him to decide to serve volley. He didn't hit a great serve and uh, he missed the, the subsequent volley. Uh, Federer, as I mentioned, was very aggressive on his second serve overall throughout the match. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't enough, but he did, he did a good job on that. Djokovic was very impressive defending as usual, but he was also impressive playing first strike tennis. He dictated. He was able to get ahead quickly uh, in the points. If I was Federer, I would have maybe considered taking a step or two back to return serve because after a while, there were so many points where Federer was just completely uh, missing these returns and putting, especially on the backhand side, putting them right into the net. Um, and then the biggest tactical blunder in the match came from Federer on his own match point where he got a strong first serve into play. It was the second match point. And uh, he hit an approach shot that went right to Djokovic. It went right to him and Djokovic passed him. Uh, we talked about this in the preview podcast, Nadal, uh, in the Nadal match, Federer hit a lot of approach shots right to Nadal and it ended up costing him in this match against Djokovic. Wow. You know, these three players, you got Federer, you got Nadal, you have Djokovic, you know, whether it's on social media or at the local, you know, at your local tennis club, everyone's arguing and it's fun, but everyone's arguing about, you know, who's the greatest player of all time. And you got players who think, you know, players from 30 years ago or 40, 50 years ago or players today, everyone's arguing who's the greatest player. And if it comes down to the number of slams you win, then these three players arguably right are the three best players when it comes to what happened today how does this impact the overall slam count when these players are trying to finish their career on top and get the most grand slams won this was a very important match to decide who will ultimately be ahead in the overall slam count right now Djokovic has 16 Nadal has 18 and Federer has 20, so there's a two-gap difference. And then if Federer, if, if Federer had won, it would have been a three-gap difference. It would have been 21 for Federer, 18 for Nadal, and 15 for Djokovic, meaning if Federer didn't win any more slams for the rest of his career, Djokovic would be six behind, and he would have to win seven to get ahead, which isn't impossible, but now he only has to win five to get ahead, which is definitely way more achievable. The next Grand Slam is the U.S. Open. It's on a hard court, Novak's favorite surface. Federer has not won the U.S. Open 
uh, since 2008. So it's been a while since Federer has won that. The Dolls won, re- won it recently. Um, but Djokovic is going to go in as the very, very, very strong favorite. Um, once the U.S. Open starts, Federer will have turned 38. His birthday is in August, so he's going to be 38, so he's not getting any younger. But he still looked pretty good. He looks like he can still compete with Nadal and Djokovic. I mean, he was one point away from beating both of them at the age of 37, so he's going to have to take confidence from that. But he'll also go in knowing that the U.S. Open is going to be on Djokovic's preferred surface. Uh, another question they ask is how are Djokovic and Nadal going to age? Are they going to age as well as Federer? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it seems unlikely that anyone's career is going to have the longevity of Federer just mm-hmm. for a variety of factors. Um, and then the last thing would be how will the younger players influence the slam count? Will the Sitsipas' teams, uh, Zverev's of, of the world be able to break through? Or are these guys just going to keep going and going and going until uh, you know the sun burns out? You know, whether you – on many of the social media outlets, um, they are always showing these memes about how Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer are kind of uh, wondering when the next-gen players are going to show up. Who, who is going to show up? I mean, if it's not going to be Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal winning a Grand Slam, who is of the next group is it? Is it who you just mentioned? Like, who who are the players who have a chance? And who are the players who right now are just thinking, man, when are these guys going to retire so that I have a chance to win a Grand Slam? Well, as it stands right now, I think me and you personally have as much chance as these other guys to win a Slam with Federer, Djokovic, <laughs> and all still around. But our good, friend, our good friend, Fernando Tovia, uh, asked me today, who's going to win the next Grand Slam that's not them? Um, of course, while well, is always going to be in a conversation because of just, you know, the sheer force of, of his shots. But uh, I still think it's going to be team at the French Open as it stands right now. But the guy to look out for in the next couple of years, I think, is the young Canadian Felix Auger Aliassime. I think he's got the overall offensive, defensive talent and he's got a great serve and he's got a really good head on his shoulders. I think he's got the, the talent to eventually break through, but who knows when that's going to be. He's only 18. Um, so I, I would pick him and I would put Poss right behind him. Fantastic. Hey, just to remind, <clears throat> excuse me, just to remind everyone who you picked to win this match in the preview and how many sets. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm usually very bad with predictions, but this time I did pick Djokovic in five sets Usually that means Djokovic would lose, but uh, he overcame <laughs> that, and uh, he's the Wimbledon champ. That's awesome. Hey, Nick, where can people find you uh, on social media? You can follow me at nnemeroff on Twitter. Fantastic. Yeah, you have just an amazing insight when it comes to the pro game, and this has just been such a pleasure to have you on here. Uh, thanks so much. Hey, can we do this for the U.S. Open? Let's do it. The pleasure was mine. Awesome. Hey, thanks, Nick, so, so much. For everyone who had a chance to come in and listen to this, uh, just a wealth of information. Uh, This is the 2MinuteTennis.net podcast. Talk soon.